Well, I'd like to take advantage oftentimes of our first reading because our first reading is proper to this particular year, which is year one. And when we go into year two, we won't hear it. So we gotta, we gotta wait every two years to hear these first readings, whereas the gospels are repeated every year in the, for the daily mass at least. So we've got this, uh, opening of the book of Maccabees. And there's a lot of history to it, a lot of, uh, complex details, um, that have to do with history, but it's an important book for many reasons, one of which is that it provides the background for uh, the two books of the Bible that have to do with the end of the world, the book of Daniel and then the final book of the Bible, the Apocalypse. So the, the Maccabees are kind of the, the historical, they detail the historical setting within which we can make sense of the book of Daniel and the book of uh, in the final book of the, of the Bible. And what we see here is uh, Alexander the Great is, was this you know, very famous uh, conqueror and is the son of Philip of Macedon. And he, and he, so, I mean, he went and he took over you know, most of the known world at that time in Asia all the way to India. I think he made it almost all the way to China. And he did it in like 10 years or something. Very, very phenomenal emperor, conqueror. He died pretty young and of natural causes, not in war. And then he had four of his generals divide up that area. And then as hundreds of years go by, the setting of the Maccabees, one of the descendants of the generals of Alexander the Great is ruling Antiochus by name, one of his sons, Antiochus IV, otherwise known as Epiphanes, um, comes to power in Syria, in that area of the Holy Land in the, in the northern section, what's today, even today, called Syria. And... Uh, he is a type of what would be called in the New Testament the Antichrist. So the Antichrist is a figure that we read about in the Bible who's prophesied to come just before the, the, the second coming of Jesus Christ. The Antichrist is, is a, a political figure who's very powerful, and he stages kind of like the supreme final uh, persecution against the church. Okay, And... Uh, Antiochus uh, Epiphanes is a type of the Antichrist, meaning he's kind of like when you learn about the life of Antiochus, you see in him a kind of a foreshadowing, okay, in his very person, in his personality, in his life, and what he did and what he didn't do. He's a foreshadowing of this final figure, the Antichrist. So uh, it's important to kind of pay attention to this guy. You learn a lot about uh, what we can expect in the future. And we see something very interesting here in this passage. Uh, we see Israel, the people of God, divided amongst themselves because there's some amongst the Israelites who want to be like, they want to assimilate to everybody else, to the broader culture, the broader pagan culture. And they want to say, well, I don't care about this whole circumcision thing. And they take their ancestral heritage and their ancestral religion and they basically just throw it out the window. And they want to do everything. They want to be like the cool kid. You know, they want to be cool and uh, just do whatever. Everybody's doing it, so let's do it. You know, it's that kind of a mentality. But they're called lawbreakers. That's interesting. They're specifically called lawbreakers. It says, in those days there appeared in Israel men who were breakers of the law. And they seduced many people saying, let us go and make an alliance with the Gentiles and do what they do. So they're breakers of the law. That's how they were known. And it's interesting because the Antichrist in the New Testament is referred to as the lawless one. The lawless one. And as I reflect in history here, because, you know, 
this when we talk about the Antichrist and the end of the world, we're talking about the culmination of human history. And Western civilization, we're at the we're, we're we are the spearhead of human history. Okay, Europe and America, we are the spears point of human history. We're leading human history because of the economic and political, scientific prowess and power and all this kind of stuff. We determine the, the course of human history. And we see different phases. I, this is a reflection I have just to leave you with this this morning. Is You know, with Christianity, with the advent of Christianity, the pagans resisted it not really so much because it had this really high moral standard. Christianity has the highest moral standard of any religion. There's no question about it by far. But the pagans weren't really against Christianity because of its high moral standard. Uh, in fact, that was almost like a selling point. They were very impressed, actually, with the high moral standard. They were more interested in trying to be faithful to their ancestral religion, actually. There was almost kind of, something kind of virtuous about the pagan resistance of Christianity. They're like, what is this new, this newfangled religion coming along, you know, going to oust us? I mean, we've got thousands of years of our ancestral religion. We're not going to give this up for this newfangled, you know, these bunch of hippies, you know. And that was kind of how the ancient pagans were thinking, and that's what the resistance to Christianity was. Christianity eventually won out, of course, though, because... Uh, it being the truth, and um, actually, it's high moral standards, and Jesus saying, forgive your enemies, love your enemies, that was really impressive to the ancient pagans. They'd just never heard anything like that before. And, and it was a selling point. And like the, the, the high standards for sexual morality, that was something that the pagans looked at and they thought of as virtuous. This is, this is admirable. And it was actually, uh, you know, made Christianity more attractive to them. So then Christianity becomes the dominant force in Western civilization, and it becomes the cultural norm. And then that starts to change about 500 years ago with the, the beginning of Protestantism and various political revolutions and uh, just the, the modern contemporary era. And But even in the 1600s, the 1700s, 1800s, the resistance of Catholicism wasn't really... They didn't really, the broader culture didn't say Catholic Christianity is bad because it's got a high moral standard. Like that really wasn't the issue. That wasn't the problem. Uh, it was more of like inter-Christian argue, uh, you know, squabbles. Like Catholicism is wrong because the Pope is a tyrant. You know, so it was more of that kind of a mentality. That's what the resistance against Christianity, uh, against Catholic Christianity was for the first 1600s, 1700s, 1800s, the broader Protestant culture. But today is different. We've got a totally unique period in human history where people don't like Christianity and Catholicism in particular because it's got a high moral standard. It's precisely the issue that people have. <laughs> that is really the issue. Is It's got a very, very high moral standard. So I really think if we can look at the big picture, we are... The world is ripe for the coming of the Antichrist because he's the lawless one. He's the lawless one. So, my brothers and sisters, are we going to repeat what we see here with people who are amongst the people of God who are breakers of the law? And their main issue is with the moral teaching of the church. And are they going to go and be in alliance with the broader culture whose main issue is the moral teaching of the church. 
It's a question, I guess. You know, we can ask ourselves that. I personally think this is uh, this is a pretty serious issue, and it really is setting the stage uh, for uh, the, the coming of the Antichrist. Now, I'm not going to make a prediction about when that's going to be. It could be another thousand years from now. I don't know. But, but there's definitely a new phase of history where Christianity is being resisted precisely because of uh, its moral teaching, its high moral standards. And uh, it's really opening up itself to making an alliance with this political figure who's going to come along and stage that final persecution against the church. So for ourselves, we need to be faithful to God and and not ever buy into this idea that, oh, you know, Christianity is all, you know, Catholicism and the church is all about, um, you know, don't do this and don't do that and don't do this and don't do that. And, you know, if you, if you adopt that kind of mentality, that's lawlessness. And that's precisely uh, what we see we shouldn't be doing and, and what the Bible portrays um, as setting ourselves up for this final, ultimate kind of showdown. Uh, and the question is, what side are you going to be on? You know, what side are you going to be on? Are you going to be on the side of the lawless one and the breakers of the law? Or are you going to be on the side of those who are amongst the people of God who are faithful to God and to his uh, moral law?